So hello everybody, welcome to the podcast, the Suta Weekly. And it's been like two days since I uploaded the last episode. And I am here once again, back with another episode. So I suppose that's good. Um, you know, very, very... This is, I think, the rare instance in which I have been like consistent. Um, I'm not really sure if my voice is echoing because I kept uh, a, a, a door open. But even if it is, you know, I am feeling a bit lazy to to start over again this episode and shut off the door. So if my voice is echoing, I am pretty sorry. You have to bear with that. All right, so in this episode, I will talk about Majime Nikaya 27, also known as the Shorter Elephant Footprint Simile, or the Kula Hati Padopamasutta. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that rightly. <clears throat> so this sutta, um, the way this sutta starts is that there, there was this guy called Janusonin. I'm not really sure, I might have, I might have mentioned him before in my episodes, he, 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 I think he features in, in, a few, in a few discourses. So this guy is a Brahman, okay? And he is probably a bit rich because in the middle of the day, he was just kind of going out on the street in his chariot, pretty nice looking chariot, white roofed chariot. And then as he was going on his chariot, he saw a, I suppose, sadhu or the, the 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 word mentioned here is wanderer so he saw this wanderer called pilotika whose clan name was vachayana so he asked pilotika so where are you coming from at this time in the middle of the day and to that pilotika said i am coming here from the presence of gotama the contemplative I am coming here after meeting the Buddha. And, you know, Janusonin is curious. So what do you think? What do you make of Gotama? Then Pilotika says, you know, how am I supposed to know? Like, um, how wise, how, how, how intelligent the Buddha is? <laughs> because I, because if I were to because for me to ascertain his level of his equity of discernment is i guess if i translate it in simpler words intelligence i i would have to be equally brilliant as him but i'm not so how can i really who, who am i to know how, who am i to say how brilliant the buddha is how wise he is then um then so janusoni says i say so you seem to praise the Gotama, the contemplative. And then Pilotika once again answers in a similar tone. He says that, once again, who am I to praise Gotama, the contemplative? Because he is praised not by the best of human beings, by the, he is praised by those who are praised, you know? I mean, okay, so he says that he is praised by the praised as the best of beings, human and divine. So throughout the, you know, along the Buddhist cosmological scale, 
in this world with human beings, devas and you know all those higher beings and also lower beings. So there is no one as as wise or as um, outstanding as the Buddha. And then um, Janusonen is once again a little bit like he wants to know how does Pilotika place such confidence, you know, why such confidence in the Buddha. And then to that, um, Pilotika says, <coughs> so suppose, you know, you, so Pilotika says, all right, I'm going to give an example which will show, or which will kind of explain the reason why I, I have such high confidence in the Buddha, in Gautama the Contemplative. So the example it gives is this. So he says that suppose you were an elephant hunter, or suppose there was an elephant hunter, and he he goes in he goes to the forest, and then he sees footprints, you know, on the mud, and these are very large footprints which look which seem to be like an elephant's footprints, but but you know but you know at that point. Um, so yeah, so he, he sees those footprints and then he say and, and then he thinks, Oh, there must be an elephant nearby, a big elephant. And and so and so the you know Pilotika continues. So the sign so that footprint uh, which I saw in the Buddha is that I, I, I have seen many 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 people, wise philosophers, you know, teachers come to the Buddha and they all come to the Buddha thinking that I'm, go I'm going to place this argument to the Buddha, this question, and they also formulate the the, the replies beforehand. So they are like, you know, um, we will we'll try to defeat the Buddha in in debate today. So we, we are going to go with these arguments, and when the Buddha replies in this way, we're going to reply in that way, and so we can really refute or refute his teaching and but the, but the thing is whenever these guys go to the buddha to debate with him to like um prove him wrong instead after listening to the buddha's discourse they become so convinced by the buddha's words that they actually like um that they they actually become buddhist themselves that they, they actually they, they actually go forth into the um in, in, into the life of monkhood and many of them also go on to actually follow the noble eightfold path and and actually attain liberation so so this is you know this is one of one of this is one of the reasons um vachayana gives as to why he believes in the buddha because man this is this vachayana is probably like oh, this is very extraordinary you know i have never seen something like this before people coming who are, who are also pretty wise they come to the to the buddha hoping to defeat him in debate but instead they are defeated and they and they take up the buddha's teaching <coughs> all right so on on hearing that the janusonen he is he's also pretty impressed oh that's pretty impressive and um, I think Buddha is really, really great, and he's and he 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 praises the Buddha, and he he declares his his intention or his desire 
to go and talk with the Buddha himself. And so he goes to the Buddha and he talks with him. And then he tells the story that, that he was on a chariot <coughs> in, in the middle of the day when, when he saw this wanderer, Pilotika, and that they had that conversation. And then to, and then to that, the Buddha replies that, um, yeah, that, that simile which, that, that example which, which Pilotika gave is not actually complete. Because it says that, you know, you know, you, I mean, the Buddha gives his, his own example here. And he says that, same, same example, suppose the elephant hunter goes to the elephant forest and he sees a big elephant footprint on the mud, but he doesn't yet come to the conclusion that, oh, there must be an elephant nearby. And when he again sees a big elephant footprint, he still does not come to the conclusion because it, you know, maybe it's not a big elephant. Maybe it's a dwarf elephant with big feet. So, so that, so this is this is not evidence enough for me to, for for me to like know that know that there is a big elephant out there. <coughs> On, only when the elephant hunter, you know, follows the footprints and then he actually sees the big elephant like lying down, taking rest, and then he he is sure. Ah. I was right. Now I am totally sure that that is the elephant, and then those are his footprints. So, so this is a, you know, this is, I think, a bit of a difference from what Pilotika said. Pilotika said that you know the moment you see those footprints, yeah, you're sure that the Buddha's teaching is right. But the Buddha says that nah, don't be a bit more skeptical and don't believe believe it yet. You know, follow, follow the footprints, and when you see the real elephant, yeah, that's when you know that that's the elephant is there. So, yeah, so, so then I think, um, then the Buddha, you know, he, he he talks a bit about like the path itself. What is that path? I suppose. Well, what is that path? Following the footprints, and then again, then he goes on to like mention like what like when we can be sure in, in, in his teaching. So, so, so what is the path along that way? So, you know, we, I mean, a, a lot of people in the Buddha's time, they, become conv they became convinced by his teaching and they actually gave up their, you know, uh, lay life, you know, they gave up their families and they became monks. And many of them, they, they actually became enlightened. So, so as monks, they practiced virtue, mindfulness, and all other qualities, which I will just mention one by one now. So first, virtue. So, I mean, this is a bit similar to the silas, okay? In Buddhism, we have the five silas. I don't know, but I don't know why, but I don't, I'm not sure if I can remember them totally. But anyway, so, the training in virtue for the monks, they, they are, first of all, to not, to not kill any other living being to, to, if, if, they, if they were in a line of work, say, which involved killing animals like, you know, like, like, like being butchers. So they, they give up on their lives. They, they give up on that previous worker line of work. They, they, they give up their knives and rods. And they also, um, being virtuous, 
also means to 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 not steal to do not take what is not given and to take only what is given and then also to 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 avoid or to abandon the sexual conduct lust to 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 lead a celibate life and also to speak the truth all the time to 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 speak in in a way that does that that actually promotes unity and and harmony between people not 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 to say things say suppose you know there's, there's one group of people and they say some bad things about the other group of people so when you go to the other group of people you shouldn't really say what that group of people said you know those those bad things because if you say that then that will cause uh, trouble conflict you you your speech should be like which shouldn't really bring any animosity between people but peace and harmony and also the speech should be should not be abusive so it should be quite soothing which is like soothing to the ear affectionate polite and also to avoid uh, right speech also involves avoiding idle chatter so this is actually very important because you know we we often we often get carried away into idle chatter and and many of us may not really realize it but according to buddhism many of the things you know like um say discussions on social media even politics and and the like these actually fall under idle chatter why because they they don't lead us to do anything skillful but they lead us to in the in their own ways to unskillfulness now of course this is not to say that we should take it um we shouldn't really what know about politics or <coughs> discuss politics with others but you know <coughs> uh sorry about that yeah but 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 you know in general we should avoid that speech we should avoid those topics which don't which are, which are not actually productive which don't really lead us to any any skillful actions and then so these are the usual um i think virtuous actions but then in this sutra the buddha goes further so the virtue also involves damaging seed and plant life not to damage seed and plant life and to eat only once a day not eating in the evening and at the wrong time of the day to abstain from dancing singing music and watching shows to abstain from wearing garlands and beauty and beauty products to to abstain from very comfortable beds to to abstain from ex- from accepting gold and money to abstain from accepting uncooked grain raw meat women and girls slaves and other animals to <coughs> to to abstain from running messages from buying and selling and to dealing with false scales false medals false measures from bribery deception and fraud to abstain from mutilating executing you know violence so and to be content with whatever <coughs> to 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 be content with whatever like um uh, this is this is from monks you know monks shouldn't be like selfish they, they, they should be happy with whatever food the lay people give them you know i i think in the in the part of the world where i live in which is the northeastern part of india but actually close to southeastern part of asia so in my community or 
saying that, you know, there are some monks who are a bit like, you know, they, when they go to arms for arms round, they are like, could you please give me a bit, you know, I like chicken, give me chicken, I like pork, give me some pork. The Buddha is saying that, ah, you shouldn't do that, you know, you should be happy with whatever the people give you. Yeah, yep, absolutely. So these are some some other really extra um, points of virtue, which which I suppose are a bit um, are a bit hard for us lay people to follow, <clears throat> and and we also need to know why the the reason why the Buddha is mentioning all these virtues. So there's a reason, and the reason is that these virtues. Um, lead us to skillful actions. Yeah, I mean, on themselves, by themselves, they are not that. You know what? That they are not that. Um, they, they are not that. Uh, they, they are not that significant. But because they, they probably kind of keep us to the right path, so we should follow them. Okay, I'll just kind of take a quick break, and I'll be back. All right. So yeah, I am back after the break. I mean, I have never taken a break break like this, but I just had to, like, you know, go to the... Uh, someone, rang, someone rang the bell, so I had to see who that person was. Never, never mind, I am back. So I suppose I was talking about, you know, um, virtue. Now, you know, walking the path also involves sense restraint. So what's this sense restraint? So this is nothing but, you know, having, being mindful and having control over the senses. For example, you know, we, I suppose this is in relation to the, to the sensual pleasures. So as, so if we were to, if we, we, if we were to like attain true happiness on a long-term basis, then we should actually, we have to renunciate the sensual pleasures. We have to be unattached from say, good food, good sides, good tactical stimulation, you know, in, in physical intimacy, good sense and, you know, all these sensual pleasures. We have to unbind from them. And, and so, but also, interestingly, it's not just um, those physical senses, but here the Buddha also mentions the mind as a, the intellect as a sense organ because I think you know um, a lot of us we we read books we listen to podcasts and we watch philosophical videos on YouTube and I think we kind of fall for them you know like you know like I think we have heard the word sapiosexual sexual so some people like into intelligent people or some people like intelligence and all that some people like stimulating the intellect okay so so that too is is not something to actually attach to you know because that that might also lead to unskillful qualities and unskillful actions so we need to have sense restraint over our senses then mindfulness and alertness so this is mindfulness as we know it to be mindful what you are doing when so in this instance, in this sutra, the Buddha, I mean, there are different aspects of mindfulness. But here in this sutra, the Buddha is, is, is only, I think, referring to mindfulness with regard to the body. So when we are waking up, we should know that we are waking up. When we are lying down, 
we should know that we are we're lying down talking we should know when we're talking so you know all the like then we have to abandon the hindrances and so <clears throat> it's a bit it's a bit like a stage-wise progression so before we can abandon the abandon the hindrances we have to follow all all the other previous things that i mentioned we have to be virtuous we have to have sense re restraint we have to be mindful and only then we can like proceed to this stage of abandoning the abandoning the hindrances now so and for that i think um the buddha tells us to to actually go to some seclusion you know because when we stay in the vicinity of others other people there's always some distractions so the buddha he actually advocated a bit of seclusion you know stay stay away from society sometimes when required you have to you have to find your solitude so the buddha says you know find find that secluded spot for yourself it could be in the wilderness in the forest it could be under a under a tree it could be a mountain a cave a charnel ground a forest or just a heap of straw so you sit there you meditate and by meditating we can actually get rid of the five hindrances so what are those five hindrances so yeah the five hindrances are i think first first of all covetousness so covetousness is is is, is a sense of you know wanting wanting to possess things not not necessarily material things but it could also mean other people and just you know just objects of covetousness then um the second hindrance is anger and ill will so this i think we we know it pretty much you know i mean the very Im image of the buddha is of a compassionate person and buddhism is known for his what is known for his advocacy of non-violence so yeah ill will and anger is another hindrance we shouldn't do that it, it leads us to unskillful actions then um sloth and drowsiness this is the third hindrance so this is also pretty important but i think something which doesn't get mentioned that that much because you know so, so some of us we, we might be like uh, this might be this this applies to us lay people and also to the monks themselves i think because it's not easy to practice the path it's very tough and we cannot afford to be you know lazy sloth and drowsiness we, we, we just can afford to be you know um not make effort so that's also a hindrance and then and then um the next the next hindrance is restlessness and anxiety so you know this is also another kind of um hindrance which which isn't mentioned that much because i mean what the buddha means by restlessness and anxiety is that um is, is that sometimes the mind is a bit you know not calm like you want to meditate but your mind is just kind of racing around here and there and that's also a bit of a hindrance okay and lastly i think the last hindrance the fifth hindrance is uncertainty so on this note <clears throat> we must make sure that we shouldn't confuse uncertainty with skepticism because the buddha just in the in, in the sutta itself <coughs> um in the sutta itself he mentioned that we have to be skeptical towards the you know teaching we just can accept it on faith we have to like you know we, we have to see the elephant and then we know that oh the teach, teaching is actually right 
Buddha, Buddha is teaching the right teaching and his followers are following the right teaching. Until that, we are not sure and we should have a good degree of skepticism. However, uncertainty is not skepticism. Uncertainty is knowing that you know it, that you know, um, you, you have seen the footprints and, and you know that this could be the teaching, but still you're like uncertain. This is more like indecisiveness, okay? Like, like just being like you know everything, but still you don't want to like um, commit to the, you know, commit to the, commit to the view. So it's, it's something like that. So following, you know, so after abandoning these five hindrances, remember we are going in a very stepwise manner. First of all, we have we have to cultivate virtue, and then we have to have restraint over over our senses. Then we have to be mindful and alert. Then we have to abandon the hindrances, and then we have to we have to attain the four jhanas. So just in the previous episode, I think I mentioned the four jhanas, and I've done this quite a couple of times, and you know. I think in almost every sutta, you know, the four jhanas get mentioned. So the four jhanas, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go through them again. So the four jhanas themselves are are like um, they are like the footprints. So when when we go through them, when when we are in them, we see the footprints of the Buddha, and so our belief in the Buddha's teaching gets 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 more convincing. Gets we we have more conviction, but still we are not sure, totally sure yet that the Buddha's teaching is right. So, so when we like progress to the jhanas, then we reach a point when we we, we actually attain or, or we actually see the three knowledges. So the three knowledges refers to I mean <clears throat> the Buddha himself like went through this path and he he attained the three knowledges. The difference being that he he did this on, he did this on all his own. There was no teacher to him. He had to find it on. On his own. So the three knowledges are the first knowledge is you know recollection of our past lives. So when we meditate, you know, there are quite a lot of monks actually who have seen their own past lives and they see that, you know, in the in the first knowledge we see that oh in, in, in we, we went through so many past lives. In that past life I was such and so, I was born in such a family, this was my experience of pain and pleasure, and then from there I went to the to the next life and so we we recount you know the the lives one by one not just one two three then hundreds one thousand then you know endless lives so this is the first knowledge and this too is a footprint of the um of the buddha's teaching okay so when we have the first knowledge our belief our condition in the buddha's teaching becomes even much more it, it becomes it becomes even stronger then the second knowledge so the second knowledge is not seeing just your rebirth, your your appearance and reappearance in the different realms according to your karma, but also seeing other people's you know past lives and seeing that how um, people they get reborn in better rebirths thanks to their good karma, and those who don't do good karma they are reborn in a bad realm. So that is the second um, knowledge, and then the third knowledge. Uh, so, so the second knowledge is also a footprint of the Buddha's teaching of the Tathagata. Then the third, uh, then the third knowledge is the is is, is discerning or, or seeing, you know. So, uh, for example, a lot of us understand the noble four noble four truths, four noble truths in the eight, noble eightfold path. 
but until we attain the third knowledge, we are just having a very like, yeah, still relatively superfluous, so superficial understanding of the of of the four noble truths and the of the um, noble eightfold path. Only when we attain the third knowledge, we just don't understand them, but we see them, we penetrate them. So this is the reason why Buddhism is actually empiricism. You know, the Buddha Buddha didn't come up with his teachings based on some kind of conjecture, some kind of rational thinking he actually saw these things like so he he saw them you know so and so in this third knowledge we see the four noble truths we see this is stress and this is the origination of stress and this is the way stress can be you know stress can be uh stress can be seized again stress stress can be solved result and the way to 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 that resolution of stress is this path and also to see the affluence, so I think there are three affluence. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still not sure what the affluence are. Um, I'm a bit confused, so I'm not, I'm not going to comment much on that. But, but, but to see the affluence is also to, to understand, to, to, to penetrate them is also part of the third knowledge. So these two, I think, is the what? This two is the footprint of the Tathagata. He says, "I'm sorry if I, if I said otherwise." So even the third knowledge is also a footprint of the Buddha's teaching, but but this is but this is you know at this point I think we are we we have enough confidence in the Buddha's teaching, and the way this is mentioned in the original Pali uh, verse is a little bit of a you know wordplay is a bit of a pun because like so there there is a sentence here so it goes like this. A disciple of the noble ones has not yet come to conclusion, but he comes to the conclusion. So this seems a bit paradoxical, right? So he, so the Buddha is saying that after the third knowledge, a disciple of the noble ones, some you know, has not yet come to conclusion, but he yet comes to the conclusion. So I didn't understand that. I mean, the. I am actually referring to Bhikkhu Tanisaro's translation on his website. I will I will share the link in the you know description of the episode, and in the footnotes he actually he actually he actually gives the he gives the explanation, but I didn't understand still, so I'm not going to comment on that. So if you are eager, you can actually read that out, read that yourself. So when this was said, you know, then John Snowden remember the Buddha is giving this discourse all 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 this time to Jansonen and Jansonen is pretty much impressed and he so he, he takes refuge in the in the Buddha's teaching in the Buddha Dhamma Sangha, Sangha. so with that the sutta ends and I don't know how long I've talked probably 30 minutes okay so I'll just kind of talk a little bit more so what should we take from this sutta I think um, I think we should I mean we should we should know that you know we should the Buddha it's, it's a very strong message it's a very important message that the Buddha tells us to be to be skeptical a bit skeptical and to to not to not follow his teachings by by just what you know faith but to actually see that his teachings are right to actually test his teachings so that's a very important point because you know I was just before reading the sutta I was listening to an an audio book it's called Silk Roads by 
Peter Frankopan, a very nice book. I, well, of course, I'm, li I'm listening to the audio book. So it's very, very, it's a very good book. So in this book, you know, Peter, Peter, he, he just kind of, um, he just kind of what gives us, you know, narrative of the connections of the, you know, interactions between the East and the West. And as, as, as part of that, he also gives history, you know, he, he recounts the history of Asia and Europe in the olden days. So, you know, I mean, the ancient times, especially, I think, what, in the early 80s, was a very interesting time in terms of religion, because that, that was a time when new religions came into, into the world, you know, Buddhism came there, and then soon came Christianity, then came Islam, and they were like fighting with other religions like Judaism and um, Zoroastrianism in Persia. So they all were in conflict, you know, all of them were not just fighting with the other, with, with others, but also amongst themselves. Christ Christianity had different sects, and so there was a lot of conflict. And, you know, imagine being, being a layperson or being just a, you know, being living in that time, in that place, in that area, where there were so many religions. And if someone came to you, you know, Christianity is the right thing, and someone else came to you, no, that's not right. Zor Zoroastrianism is the right thing. There's someone else came, Judaism is right. Someone else came, Buddhism is right. So if we actually, what, go by faith, you know, faith is enough to believe in all, in, in, every, in everything, okay? So, but I think the Buddha is, gives, is giving a bit of a different approach. So he's saying that don't follow my teaching based on just faith. You know, you don't have to believe me, but you just test it out, you just kind of follow my teachings for a while, see, see if they are beneficial to you and others, and if they are, then you can continue to practice them, and if you go all the way, if you, if you follow my instructions, you might actually see that, might, you know, you, 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 you might actually see the elephant, you know? So that's what he's saying. And now, of course, I'm, I'm, I might be very, very, you know, ignorant when I'm saying this, that the other religions, they also, they haven't said this, I think so. They they also have, but yeah. I mean, that's what that's what the Buddha said. That, that's all I can say. <laughs> not not saying that Judaism, Christian Christianity, Zoroastrianism, or Islam, they they also didn't say that. They they are just asking to believe on faith. Now I'm not saying that because I don't know about them, so I can't comment on them. But all I can say is that Buddhism, the Buddha, what what the Buddha had to say. So yeah, that's all I'll say. You know. Um, so we 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 must be skeptical. Okay. And we have to follow the path and test it, you know, if this is working for us or not. And if it isn't, then maybe it's not the right path for, for you. So, yeah. So, having said that, I come to the end of this episode. And thanks a lot for listening to my episode. And um, I will try to be consistent, okay? <laughs> I think I might have found a rhythm. And I should make more episodes. And definitely your li listens, I mean... Well, when you listen to my podcast, to my episodes, it really encourages me. So thanks a lot for your support and encouragement, and I will keep on making episodes. So thank you so much, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.